0: Today is the day that the Lord has made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. And all God's people said, Amen Amen and Amen. So we've been pretty up front with you today. Today is Sanctity of Life Sunday, and today is a day where you're going to hear a pro-life message. And my hope is that this is a challenging, but in a really good way, but a challenging message for those who are already pro-life and for those who are not I pray that I say something today that is of value. I pray that you hear God's word and the spirit is the one who does the moving in your heart. We are a pro-life church. We are for helping women during and after their pregnancy. And I hope that even if you don't believe in, in the inherent value, the inherent priceless value of life in the womb, I pray that today you'll listen with patience. As you listen to us who are pro-life, challenge ourselves on this issue. Today is Sanctity of Life Sunday. It was 50 years ago, today exactly, that Roe v. Wade was decided, which ruled that the United States Constitution conferred the right to an abortion. That was January 22nd, 1973. Now, we know that abortions were happening prior to that, but since that day, there have been 63 million abortions in the United States. In our most recent completed compiled records here in our own state of Michigan from 2021, here's a couple stats for you. Women in their 20s counted for nearly 60% of all the registered abortions in Michigan. And of the 28,409 registered abortions that happened in Michigan in 2021, over 85% of those were from unmarried women. I wonder what those stats would be like if our culture valued sexual intimacy and reserved it only for marriage. I know many people will look at these stats and think this is a celebration of progressive society as we champion women's bodily autonomy. But I'll be honest with you. I see nothing but darkness, I see a culture that values death, a culture that does not value life, I see a a people who have been led astray and blinded because they've been led to believe that motherhood is bondage rather than beautiful, that children are a burden rather than a blessing. And on the Sanctity of Life Sunday, we're going to find ourselves in a passage that I think is nothing short than a true call out to the church. And so today, we're going to continue this theme that we've been in for a few weeks now on wisdom. We're going to continue this today as we continue our sermon series called Words to Live By. And the passage that we're going to look at today calls us to two simple words that we are to live by, and it's these two words, protect life. If you have your Bibles, would you please turn to Proverbs chapter 24? We're going to look at three verses today, verses 10 to 12. And as you're turning there, a few words about Proverbs if you're just joining us. Proverbs is a book of wise sayings, a book of Proverbs. It was written by and compiled by King Solomon nearly 3,000 years ago. But it continues to stand the test of time because it is God's word. And like the Christians from 2,000 years ago, who were known for adopting the discarded children of Rome, we, the church today, are continued to call to protect the life of unwanted children. And with this, would you hear these wise and timeless words? These wise words, these words of our Lord. Would you hear the word of the Lord? Proverbs chapter 24, verses 10 to 12. If you faint, In the day of adversity, your strength is small. Rescue those who are being taken away to death and hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, behold, we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his works? This is God's holy and precious word. Let's pray And let's continue. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you mindful that you have revealed yourself to be the creator and sustainer of the entire universe, but you have revealed yourself to be our Father. Not our mother, not our grandfather, but our Father. Because that's your heart. You have the heart of a Father, God. And Father, I would pray this day that you would send your Holy Spirit to be with us as we hear your word. Lord, I know and we know this is a weighty topic, so would you please guard my mouth from saying things that are untrue or unhelpful, that I'd only speak that which our church needs to hear and that which is glorifying to you. And we pray these things in the power of the Spirit and in the precious name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. amen and amen. I'll tell you, as I looked at this passage here, I think an overarching idea that really challenged me that I'm going to share with you today, and if there's one overarching point, it'd be this. Wisdom is not just knowing what's wrong, but doing what's right. Wisdom is not just knowing what's wrong, but doing what's right. Christians in the house, our life is to be a life of discipleship and devotion to the God who loves us more than we could possibly fathom. If you're a parent or a grandparent, you know this. There's no way your kids could ever know how much you love them. How much more for our infinite God who loves us. He loves us with a fatherly love. And yet in this love, he calls us to love him and to live for him, to know what's wrong in his eyes and to do what's right before him in this world. And this passage that we're looking at today, it's one of the most challenging verses I think I've ever preached on. And today... It's not my job to sugarcoat this. Right? Or do you want me to soft pedal this? Well, I'm not going to because I will be the one who's judged for it. So my job here is to just share this truthfully and faithfully to the best of my ability. Not to mischaracterize it, but to share with you God's word. Can I get a... Amen. Wisdom is not just knowing what's wrong, but doing what's right. As we walk through this passage, three verses, verse by verse, here's some points for you to take home. Number one, wisdom that you don't use is cowardice. Wisdom that you don't use, verse 11, is costly. In verse 12, wisdom that you don't use is condemnation. So let's go back, take this verse by verse. Point number one, wisdom that you don't use is cowardice. Verse 10, please keep your Bibles open. Verse 10 tells us, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. So Solomon, King Solomon, the the writer and compiler of this book, he's telling us something very simple here. He's saying, what good is your strength if you're not going to use it when things get tough? And so because this is a book of wisdom, what he's saying to us is wisdom without the will to act is useless. Church, the challenge for us in the midst of this is what good is a church in a community if it's not going to love those who, doesn't, who don't love us? If we don't stand up when evil is at the door? If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Translation, wisdom you don't use is cowardice. So what's the antidote? Be vocal. And our world, is pretty clear that standing up means speaking up. But too many of us are too scared because we have fainted in the day of adversity. For generations, but I'd say in particular the last 30 years, for generations the devil has been making it really easy to be a Christian in our culture. He's kept us on the couch of our society and he kept feeding us the junk food of entertainment because he's intentionally trying to make us spiritually out of shape. He's intentionally trying to make us spiritual sluggards. And he spent generations doing this. And so what we have now is a church with no sense of urgency. A church with a misplaced identity that our identity is not in Christ alone, but our identity is being well-liked by society at large. We have no fight in us. And once we got to this place where we don't even have the strength to stand up anymore, that's when the devil has been bringing his attack the last few years. And the church was caught taking a nap because we've been hung over on popularity and distracted by our comfortable lives. And now the day of adversity is upon us in full force. And I'm not even speaking about the normalization of sexual depravity or transgenderism. I mean the notion that what we believe is now being considered hate speech. How did it come to this? Like when I say that I'm pro-life, what our culture is culturally conditioned to hear is that I hate women. Because I'm pro life, our culture me- thinks that means I hate women. This begs the question have we been wise with our words? Have we been listening to the world and how the world's been receiving and interpreting our message? Have we been listening with an active ear, like we talked about last week? When we speak, do we speak the truth in love? If we speak at all. Because I'm telling you today, we need to be vocal. If wisdom we don't use is cowardice, then the response is to be vocal. Do you know a key way the devil keeps Christians silent in our world? It took me a long time to realize that I myself was falling prey to this. One of the ways that the devil keeps Christians quiet is by taking a moral or spiritual issue and making it a political one. Soon as you do that, so many Christians, they close their mouths because, well, they just don't want to get political. And while I have been pro-life for a long time, I wasn't always pro-life, I've been pro-life for a long time, I didn't speak up about it because I translated it as simply a political issue and I didn't want Christianity getting wrapped up in politics. And while there may be political aspects to how this plays out in society, this is not just a moral issue, this is the moral issue of our day. This is an issue of life and death. This is an issue of the value of human life made in the image of God. If you won't speak up now, you wouldn't have spoken up when slavery was the law of the land here. This is not a political issue. This is a moral issue. But Christians keep silent because it's more comfortable to keep silent and B, because we've been led to believe this is simply a political issue. And with today being the 50th anniversary of Roe versus Wade. We saw that decision overturned last summer with the Dobbs versus Jackson decision at the Supreme Court. And we did, we rejoiced for a moment, thinking that there was a glimmer of hope that our culture was again seeing the value of human life at all ages and stages. But that was quickly quieted in the last elections when we saw the true heart of mankind quickly respond at the state level by enshrining abortion into state constitutions. And here in Michigan, abortion is legal through the point of viability, meaning it's fully legal to abort a baby up until the moment she's born. And while this sounds morally repugnant, it's logically consistent on the pro-choice side. I mean, if it's a woman's body and it's her choice, then that means the entire way through. I think it's a morally repugnant argument, but it's at least logically consistent Fully legal to abort a baby up until the moment she's born. And the devil keeps us quiet because he's tricked us into thinking this is just a political issue. And I'm just going to go ahead and just say a few things here. I think this is especially true for my Christian friends who are moderates and Democrats. Who think that the worst thing in the, in the entire world is to be identified with or as a Republican. So many of us say, I can't be pro-life because I don't want people to think I'm a right-wing nut job." Listen, this is not a Republican issue. They failed us too. This is not a Democrat issue. This is a moral issue, not a political one. And yes, pro life people in Michigan lost the battle to make it illegal in our state this last November. But, church, our battle is a heart issue anyway. And if the state wants to make it legal, then it's us. Time for us to raise the banner and make it unthinkable. To make it unthinkable to dismember a child in the womb and pull out its bloody body parts. And we do this by being vocal, but matched with wisdom. Wisdom that has the will to act. That we let women know that they don't have to do this alone, that we're here to walk with them, not to judge them, to walk with them through their entire unwanted pregnancy, and as long afterwards it takes, even if that means adopting their own child. I wanna be able to tell every single woman, every single woman in an unwanted pregnancy that they would just bring their baby to term, that we'll find a godly family to raise that child. Church, I know this is our heart. My adopted son, it's his 10th birthday today. I know we have the heart of adoption and the heart of fathers and mothers here. But I want women to know that their ability, their ability to bear a child is among the most wonderful, miraculous, astonishing things in the entire universe. And they and they alone are able to do this. That their body is weaving together a child made in the image of God. And that reality should transcend the circumstances of that baby's conception. I want to live in a world where if life is an option, then life is always the choice because we collectively believe in the value of every human life at every age, every stage, every race, every religion. But the day of adversity is upon us, so don't let your strength be small, church. Let your voice be heard and let your love be known, be vocal. Second thing our passage shows us is that wisdom that we don't use is costly. Go to verse 11 in your Bibles. Rescue those who are being taken away to death, hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If our wisdom isn't matched by our will to act, it's costly. It's so costly, it could mean death. Again, going back to the 2021 reports shows that three to four abortions were happening every month from women residing in Barry County, but three to four abortions were happening every day in Grand Rapids. Three to four children in the womb being taken away to death every day in Grand Rapids. So how do we rescue those from death without our culture thinking that we hate women? Well, I think... I think our answer is just in our text, as it usually is, we rescue them. We rescue them both. I'm not telling women that they must keep the child so that they must raise them. I'm saying that the church will. Godly families in the church will. That is, if we want to be faithful to what it means to rescue those being taken away to death. See, I think pro-choice people think That the pro-life cause is simply about keeping women down, keeping them submissive, keeping the patriarchy alive, because we're forcing them to raise children that they don't want. And I'm saying, no, we will raise your child. I just ask that you spare your own own child's life. And I know this is an enormous task to ask. I don't know personally because I'm a man and men can't get pregnant. Mr. Rogers said so. I've seen my wife go through nine months of pregnancy a few times. I know the absolutely tremendous toll it takes on the female body. And I know that when we ask a woman to take a child to term, that is a tremendously enormous ask. But we are pleading with our culture to see that life is worth it. And if we don't use our wisdom correctly, it will be costly. And so the church So church, the response is to be generous. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your love. Be generous with your homes. And you have been. We've already announced it. This church gave away not one but two $60,000 checks to two amazing pro-life causes. Peace Church, you answered and you answer the call. You put your money where your mouth is and you open your home. And there are countless stories across this church of people doing that. You may not hear about it because they don't post about it on social media. They do it because that's what Christian people do day in and day out in our lives. And we don't seek celebration from the world. We seek to be honoring to God. I could give you story after story of families in the church opening their home, taking babies, helping out, getting diapers, taking moms in. It's all over the board. You didn't just open your wallets. You opened your homes. Because this is a truly pro-life church. Not just a pro-birth church. And I want to say thank you. Thank you for being the light in a very dark world. Because the world is walking in darkness and we need to rescue those who are being taken away to death and hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. And we do this, and you've done this, by being pro-life champions. Where our message is marked by love and compassion for mothers stuck in difficult spots, we don't throw judgment, we welcome them in. After the first service, I had a mother come up to me and say, it's because of churches like Peace that I have my child. I got pregnant at 15, she says. And there are other churches that would have treated her differently, but her church welcomed her in and said, we will walk with you. Her son is now, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I want every mother to know that the church will come around them. Without question, I want them to be convinced in their mind of this. But we also do this by sharing the gospel by sharing the full gospel of Jesus Christ. But many who call themselves Christians, they haven't been doing this, and there's been a great cost to our culture. And not just to our culture, but to, do, but to the 3,500 children aborted every single day for the last 50 years, every single day straight. Yes, there's been a great cost, but church, we have to reckon with this, that wisdom that we don't use is condemnation. Verse, thir- verse 12 goes on to say, Behold, If you say, behold, we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? What this verse is saying is that it's saying that God knows your heart. He knows the extent of your knowledge. He knows everything you think, everything you say. We can't hide behind a false ignorance. We know abortion results in the death of a child, so you can't hide that. You can't make excuses before God. What body parts are you actually pulling out of the womb when an abortion occurs? This is so pathetically obvious to our world that even comedy Secular comedy can't deny this anymore. There are two very, very popular comedians right now, and in their recent routines, they each touched on the topic of abortion in their comedy routine. I'm not going to recite the whole joke for you, but every, every good joke right, needs a good setup. So I want, to, I want to share with you their setup to this joke. Because comedy says what we all know anyway, but it just does it in a way where we can laugh so we don't have to grapple with our own sin. Here's what one of them said in the setup to a joke. He said, pro-choice always made sense to me because I don't like people telling me what to do. And I was always just like, it's your body. Who am I to tell you what to do with your body? So that always made sense to me. However, I still think you're killing a baby. It's not a baby yet. That's what they say. That may or may not be true. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But I tell you, my gut tells me it doesn't make sense. If you say, behold, we did not know this does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? God will say to us, yeah, you knew.
1: Before you were born, what did you see? How dark was it inside your mother's body? Pretty much no visible light gets deep within our body cavity, but a uterus? Well, inside a womb at night, this is what you would see. But during the day, it might look more like this. In fact, it can be bright enough inside a womb to read a book. Inside a womb, covered with light clothing and an averagely thick abdomen, in direct sunlight, it can be as bright as an overcast day or even a typical office building. It's a womb with a view. Oh, also, if you shine a trio of lights like this at a human fetus in the womb, it won't really care. But if you shine lights like this, it will look at them and follow them. Why? Well, the leading theory is that this arrangement more closely resembles a human face. And that even before we're born, even before we've met anyone, we are already looking for other people.
0: God will say to us, yeah, you knew. This guy, as far as I can tell, he's not a Christian, not a pro-life champion. He's just a geeky science guy on YouTube. But following that basic idea, here's what another comedian said. And at this point in his bit, he turned and was speaking specifically to the ladies. And here's what he said. He said, I agree with you when you say that men should have no say in the decisions you make with your bodies. Those are your decisions and yours alone. And I feel that way because at the end of the day, when we all go up to heaven and God is like, why were you all killing babies? We're going to be like, y'all, I think they were very clear on whose decision this was, God. God. These guys are saying what science and common sense tells us, that women are pregnant with a human baby. An abortion is the death of a human child made in the image of God. For Pete's sake, if you go to the Mayo Clinic website and you go to their section on pregnancy, here's what it says. From the Mayo Clinic website, the first trimester is fetal development. Fetal development begins soon after conception. Find out how your baby grows and develops during the first trimester. People will say, "Oh, it's just a clump of cells. Yeah, so are you. That's not an argument. To know better, church, and not act is sin. It's called the sin of omission. And wisdom that we don't use is condemnation. So what's the answer to that? It's to be gracious. So be gracious. The world is walking in darkness. They are blinded by sin. They are the blind leading the blind And it results in a culture of pride and death because pride is death. I had an older couple come up to me after the first service and say, we were sexually active before we got married. We were engaged, but we weren't married yet. And we had two abortions in that time. We were walking in darkness. And we did what we thought we had to do because of all the shame. And as I'm saying, church, we got to be gracious, not condemning. We have to be generous, not judging. We have to be gracious. The objective, church, hear me on this. Please, church, hear me on this. The objective is not to be proven right. The objective is to see it to be on earth as it is in heaven. If you're out there just to be proven right, then you're just as prideful as the world is. So we need to be gracious. Why? Because God has been gracious to us. For those who know Christ as their Savior, we know it's by grace that we are saved. Nothing that we could have done we were lost and dead in our sins and we deserved nothing but the wrath of God. And we have salvation not because of anything we did but because of what Christ has done. God knows our every move. Every move. Verse 12 continues. Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? Yeah. There is a payment for our sinful actions but thanks be to God we don't pay it. Jesus paid it For us, it was Jesus who took the price and the penalty for all of our sins the price of pride, lying, gossip, and yes, abortion. He took those sins on the cross and died in our place. And now, salvation that we have isn't because of what we do, any good that we do, it's all because of what Christ has done for us. And this is called grace. And God's been gracious with us, and we need to be gracious with others. I know abortion. It's about the most heated topic in our day but church let me remind you that jesus never got into a screaming match with those who he was ministering to so we better not we are the ones who walk in wisdom and grace and truth and love and as we raise the banner of being pro-life we need to do this in that in grace and in wisdom because literally life is on the line so church, on this 50th anniversary of Roe versus Wade, let me remind you that wisdom you don't use is cowardice, so be vocal. Wisdom that you don't use is costly, so be generous. And wisdom that you don't use is condemnation, so be gracious, because our wise and great God has given us wisdom and grace that we might remember Wisdom is not just about knowing what's wrong, but doing what's right. So, church, go and protect life. Amen. Here's what we're going to do. If you're new to Peace Church, you know that 99 times out of 100, we close in worship and we close in song. But we feel like for today, with this heavy topic upon us as a church and in our culture, that the best response for us right now is to pray. So, we're going to spend the next little bit of time just praying as a church. So here's what I'm going to say. If you're not a believer and you're visiting with us, number one, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for not standing up and throwing a tomato at me. Thank you for being here and being patient and listening. If you are a believer, this is the time to pray. And if you are a member of church of this church, I'm going to actually give you another even bigger challenge. Would you maybe grab those around you and pray as a group? We're just going to spend some time praying. If you just want to pray in the quiet of your own heart, okay. But I really encourage you as a church, let's corporately get into groups and lift up prayers of life. Prayers that mothers will know that they're not alone. Even if they feel abandoned, that they would know that the church has love beyond measure to extend to them. Pray that those who are considering abortion right now would choose life. Would you pray that this church would continue to be faithful to the true pro-life cause as we care for life from womb to tomb, all ages, races, races and stages and religions? Would you pray for life? I'm going to start us corporately. Then we're going to give some time. Pray, get in groups, pray as you feel led, and uh, I'll make sure you get home in time for dinner. Don't worry. (laughs) Father God, we come before you right now. Lord, this is a heavy topic. This This is the heaviest topic of our day. Father, I pray, Lord, that the heart of this world would turn towards life for whatever cost or sacrifice. Father, I pray that your church would lead and light the way as we stand for life, true pro-life causes. Father, let us be a people that continue to be vocal, but we do this with wisdom and in love, that we'd be generous with our homes and our times and our money, and that we'd be gracious as we are mindful that you've been gracious to us, God. So Father, we are thankful, Lord, that we know that you hear these prayers, the prayers of these saints. You hear these prayers because of the blood of Jesus who died in our place. So Spirit, would you move among your church here at peace as we lift up prayers, prayers of life. Church, pray.